Once again, thank you for being here this morning. Uh, we are going to be continuing our sermon series in the book of 1 John this morning. We're going to be in chapter 4, and we will begin with verse 14 this morning. So I encourage you, if you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and find 1 John chapter 4. And while you are turning there, I want to remind you of the context of the book of 1 John. It was written by John uh, somewhere in the time period of A.D. 70 to AD 95, and the other thing before we look at our text this morning that I always want to remind you of regarding the book of 1 John is that as we read through this book, if we are paying attention to what we read, then we see, it's very easy to see that there is indeed a recurring theme that appears over and over throughout this book, throughout this text of 1 John. In fact, we're going to be dealing with this again today in this morning's text, and it's this, God is light and God is love. And then believers show their love for God by actually loving each other. Now let's hear that one more time. God is light and God is love. And believers show their love for God by actually loving one another. And as I've said before throughout the sermon series, we've got to realize that the world is watching us. They're seeing how we respond to certain things and what we've got to do, what, what a, the desire of our hearts should be is for them as they look in to us as a group of believers that they see love, that we love God and that we love each other. So at this point, if you are physically able to stand, I want to invite you to stand right now to honor the reading of God's Word. First John chapter 4, beginning in verse 14. God's Word says this, And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him, and He in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in Him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love, because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother... He is a liar, for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for the opportunity to open up our Bibles and read your holy word. Father, I thank you for this text that I have just read. And Father, now as we prepare to take a step into this text, Father, I pray that you would just limit the distractions of the outside world on our minds right now. Lord, I pray that we will be able to fully focus on you and your word. Father, I pray that you will hide me behind the cross. I pray that your anointing will be upon me. Lord, I pray that I will preach this text correctly and completely. Lord, may I point these people directly to you and to the cross. Father, I do pray right now for anyone who is hearing my voice that does not know you as their Lord and Savior. Father, may this be the day that your convicting power falls on their heart and on their lives. Lord, I pray that they will cry out 
what must I do to be saved? And I pray that we will leave here rejoicing today because of the great things that we have seen you do. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ that I pray these things. Amen. You may be seated. Now, the title of this morning's message is this, If we abide in Him, we must love. If we abide in Him, we must love. I think you probably caught that from the text just a moment ago as we read that. That is one of the things that we do. If Christ has truly transformed our heart, then as a result of that, we will love each other, our brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, as we look at this last half of chapter 4 this morning, we're going to just be thinking about this thought. Jesus is the Son of God, so believers are true followers of Jesus Christ. They must acknowledge this. Now, if you have heard more of the sermons in this particular series, there have been a number of points that I've made, and just as soon as I will make them, I would say something like this. That just sounds like a given, doesn't it? Well, this is something you can add to your list of givens from points that I'm making throughout this particular sermon series. Jesus is the Son of God. So it seems logical then that believers or followers of Jesus Christ must acknowledge that. It does seem logical, doesn't it? But is that what we actually do as we live our day-to-day lives? You see, somebody who is a true believer, a true follower of Christ, they will acknowledge with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, but we also have to live in love toward God and also to our other brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, that makes it sound a little more difficult, doesn't it? What if... What if they are difficult to love? Well, we've got to love anyway. It's not an option not to love if we are truly a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, as we look into our text this morning, I want you to hear verses 14 through 16 again. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him and He in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Now, most likely, the initial readers of this text, John's initial readers, they had not seen Jesus in the flesh. Now, remember, one of the things that John has been battling throughout the book of 1 John is he's dealing with false teachers and the impact or the effect that those false teachers had had on the people there. Now, these false teachers, they were teaching that they somehow had the ability to go to heaven and see God temporarily and then come back. Now, just, let's, just think about that for just a minute. How bizarre does that sound? That anybody would believe that you could temporarily go to heaven and then come back. But people were believing it. People were believing it. You'll probably remember that I have said before throughout the sermon series that as bizarre as some things sound, an effect or an outcome of false teaching is always this. No matter how bizarre that the teaching might be or how bizarre it might sound, somebody will believe it. Somebody will be deceived. There were people that were in this initial crowd of readers that were reading John's letter. They believed that. 
they had been deceived. Now, if you were here last Sunday, you know that I talked about the importance of discernment in the ability to take what we hear and determine whether or not it is true in regard to the Word of God. Do not be deceived. Remember always that the primary way that God speaks to us is through His Word. As we start this new year, are you in His Word? I want to challenge you. Get in His Word. Stay in His Word. Do not, do not be deceived by a false teacher. You've got the responsibility to take what you hear and compare it directly to the Word of God. Don't ever take that responsibility lightly. Now, remember that John and his apostles, they did, in fact, see Jesus in the flesh. Now, here's something that maybe you hadn't thought about lately. But there were also many other people other than John and his apostles who were there at that time that did also see Jesus in the flesh. Think about that for just a minute. Where were those people when the crowd was screaming, crucify him? Most of those people who had seen Jesus in the flesh, they were members of that crowd that day that were screaming, crucify him. I wonder this morning, I've got to ask you a question, which crowd are we in? Are we in the crowd that truly has our eyes fixed upon Jesus or are we in another crowd? If we had been there that day, would we have been in the crowd screaming, crucify him? I surely hope that we would not have been. But what about us now? Not one of us has physically seen Jesus face to face yet. So how do we speak with authority about Jesus, the Savior of the world? Well, that's where faith has to come in. Now, after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that's when it really became real to the disciples. You know, if you were reading through the Gospels, sometimes it's logical to ask the question, where were the disciples? Why did they not believe? Jesus told them so many things that were going to happen, and it was like they didn't process it there immediately. And sometimes we ask ourselves the question, why was it such a shock to them? What happened to Jesus? Jesus told them exactly what was going to happen to him. But after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that is when it really became real to the disciples. And as a result, they began to testify. They began to tell the world about the transforming power of Jesus Christ. And I've got to ask us the question this morning, who are we telling? Because, you know, the disciples shared the story. They shared the good news of the gospel and people received, they accepted their testimony. I wonder this morning, who are we telling about the transforming power of Jesus Christ? And I want to tell you, when we have personally experienced that, when he has transformed our hearts and our lives, we will want to tell people. We will want to tell people, first of all, what he's done for us and what he can do for them. And, you know, I think so often people think about the power of Jesus as if it were something that just lives in the past. I want to tell you, if he has transformed your life, if he has transformed your soul, 
He's just as powerful today as he has ever been. And we should be telling people about it. Now, I know that you would agree with me as we read through God's Word. We read about many miracles that Jesus did, and they were all powerful. They were all classified as miracles. And we look at the the text of that, and we think, praise God, that is wonderful what he did. But let me tell you something this morning. I am convinced, absolutely convinced that when Jesus Christ saved me, it is just as powerful as any miracle that we read about on the pages of Scripture. It is just as powerful. And if he has transformed your heart this morning, then you can say the exact same thing. It's a miracle when he brings us from spiritual death to spiritual life. And we should be telling people about the power, the saving power of Jesus Christ. He is powerful this morning. Let's tell people about it. Let's not act like that he's something that's in the past. He is here today and he is our future. He is our future. And so if he has transformed our lives, we will fully embrace verse 16. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God. And God abides in Him. So does God abide in you today? I've got to ask you that question. I ask you a similar question practically every Sunday morning. Does God abide in you? But before we can tell others, about the love that God has for them, I believe we must fully realize or recognize God's love toward us. We've got to experience the love of God. Have you experienced that this morning? He tells us in verse 17 and 18, By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as He is, so also are we in this world. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. So let me just ask you a question this morning. As you think about that day of judgment that is coming, we know it's coming. We see it on the pages of Scripture. I tell you about it. Routinely, God is a just judge. He is going to judge every one of us. He will judge us completely. He will judge us justly. So as you think about that upcoming day of judgment, would you say that you've got confidence in standing before Jesus Christ? Would you, st- would you say that you've got confidence or would you respond with something like, well, I hope, I hope that I make it in. Can I tell you something this morning? I talked to a lot of people over the last 10 or 11 years that that's their response. I hope that I make it. I hope that I make it. Church, I want to tell you this morning, Jesus wants you to know. Jesus wants you to know. Do you know this morning? If you don't, you can You can. So do you have confidence for that day that's coming, or are you fearful? Now, if we are truly in Christ, then we have no 
reason to fear that day. We have absolutely no fear because we know we can stand before him with confidence and in confidence. But I do have to ask you, are you sure that you have confidence? If that's how you're answering right now, are you sure that you have confidence? Because I want to remind you of something that's been on my heart for a long time. And if you've heard me preach over the last two or three months, you know it's on my heart because it comes out in my sermons routinely. But Jesus tells us that the way to heaven is entering through a narrow gate. Jesus tells us that it's hard to find, and he tells us that few find it. That's what Jesus said. Now, for those people who have found that narrow gate and have entered the narrow gate and are following Jesus as their Lord and Savior, then they can indeed stand before Jesus with confidence on that day of judgment. But have you entered through that narrow gate? If you have, then there's no need for you to be fearful. Verse 18 reminds us there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. So this morning, would you say that you have been perfected in love? Or are you somewhat afraid and maybe trying to somehow earn your salvation? Which is something that a lot of people try to do. And I want you to hear me this morning. You cannot earn your salvation. You cannot earn it. There is no way that you can do enough good things to earn your salvation. That's one of the reasons we need Jesus. We owed a debt that was so great that it took the perfect Lamb of God, that Lamb of God that we were singing about earlier, it took Him to be that sacrifice for our sin. That's how massive that our sin debt was. And if we realize that, if He has forgiven our sins, then we can truly sing that song, Jesus paid it all, all to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He what? Washed it white as snow. Has he washed your sin debt as white as snow this morning? Now, I want to give you an illustration this morning, going back to the fact that many people are fearful when it comes to answering the question, can I stand before, can I stand before God in confidence on the day of judgment Now, when you were growing up, I imagine that there was at least one time in your life that you may not have followed your parents' advice. Yep. Can we be real for just a minute? No matter how many times our parents might have said, don't do that, do not do that, and you can fill in the blank on whatever it was for you, What happened? You probably did it, didn't you? At least one of the things that they told you not to do. Now, when I was growing up, there was a phrase that my parents and people older than them used, and it sounded something like this. If you play with fire, you will get burned. If you play with fire, you will get burned. Church, I want to tell you today, there's a lot of people that are playing with fire. There are a lot of people that are playing with fire in our world today. 
Now, going back to the illustration of us disobeying our parents. I don't know how it was for you in that situation, but in the times that I disobeyed my parents, it was like they knew instantly that it had happened. And that was before the age of cell phones. There was no such thing as email or anything like that, but it was just like they had some kind of radar that they knew instantly if I had done something that they told me not to do. Perhaps it was like that for you too. Parents just sort of seem to have that ability, don't they? But then what happens from your standpoint? Fear sets in, doesn't it? Fear of what? Fear of what the punishment's going to be, right? Fear of what their punishment might be for our disobedience. There was truly fear in that. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand me. My parents were wonderful to me. They still are. But they expected me to do what they asked me to do. And that's not, a, a, that's not an illogical expectation. It is not. But typically when we disobey our parents, fear sets in and it is fear of what the punishment is going to be. And I, with just that in mind, I want to share some good news with you. Christ took the punishment for my sin. Christ took the punishment for your sin when He died for us on the cross. I wonder this morning, do you know Him today as your Lord and Savior? Have you accepted that free gift of salvation that He offers? I wonder this morning, are you living in fear? Or are you living your life in love? And I've got to tell you this morning, it's either one or the other. We're either living in fear or we're living in love. And if you fear that upcoming judgment of Christ, then that love has not been perfected in you yet. And I would love to talk to you more about that. Now, when we look at our last section of verses this morning, verses 19 through 21, John tells us, we love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, then he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. So if we have experienced that love, then love is going to be the outflow. It's going to be the outflow of our life or the overflow of our life. It, it's, it's, let me, I've lost my train of thought here. So, like, for instance, when our, when our life has been transformed, when our hearts have been transformed, then the overflow of our hearts will be love. Now, verse 20 is a pretty bold statement, isn't it? If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, then he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. That's a bold statement. And I want to remind you, this is God's word. It's God's word. So maybe you hear that this morning, and you somehow try to offset that with a thought process like this. Well, I don't hate them, but I just don't like them very much. I've got to tell you this morning, you better be careful with that. You better be careful with that. Have you ever heard the phrase, 
that actions speak louder than words. I wonder this morning, what are our actions saying? What are our actions revealing about the condition of our hearts? I wonder this morning, how about your heart? Is it right with God? And if it is, then we will love. And as we prepare to close this morning, I want to remind you that this is not a suggestion. It's not a suggestion. God's Word tells us in verse 21, this is a commandment that we have directly from Him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. So as we prepare for our time of invitation this morning, I just want to ask you just to search your heart. Is there anyone within your heart, within your life right now, that you would say, I don't love I don't love. If the answer to that is yes, I'd advise you to take care of that today. We're we're called to love. Whether or not that person even wants us to love them back, we're called to love anyway. I want you to know this morning, as we look at our time of invitation, always, always, if someone is hearing my voice and you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want you to know this invitation is for you. Please don't put off the decision of your salvation. This life is so uncertain. It's so uncertain. One thing that is very certain, though, is that there is going to come a day when we will all die and we will stand before God. I wonder, are we ready for that? And if the answer to that is no, please take care of that today. This invitation is for you. Perhaps this morning you realize, you know, I'm just really not loving like I should. I just want to, I want to encourage you to give that to Jesus. Let love be the overflow of your heart. I pray that when the outside world looks in, they see people who love each other. They are seeing something. What are they seeing? Perhaps you're here this morning and you're carrying a heavy burden. I want to encourage you, give that to Jesus today. Let him carry that burden to you. He is sufficient to carry it. We are not sufficient to carry that individually, but he's more than sufficient. Like that old song says, burdens are lifted at Calvary. And finally, maybe, maybe you just have a, some other need that you want to just come and, and talk to God about. I encourage you to come this morning during this time of invitation. Do we love like He loves? And I pray the answer is yes. Would you pray with me, please? Father, thank you for another opportunity to open your word. Father, I pray now that you'll search my heart. I pray that you will search the heart of every person that is here. If there is a need here this morning, Lord, I pray that we will freely lay it at your feet, realizing that you are more than sufficient to handle any and all needs that we have. Lord, help us just to freely give those things to you. Father, I do pray right now for anyone who's hearing my voice that does not truly know you as their Lord and Savior. Father, may this be a day of salvation in this place. May this be 
a day that is marked by surrender. May it be marked by love. Father, for the things that you will do, we will be careful to give you the praise, honor, and glory for it all. And it's in the name of Jesus that I pray these things.